to show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Off the Mats Podcast. It's me, it's Dante, and this week I'm happy to welcome back my good friend, Tiana Taylor. Welcome, Tiana. How are you? I'm really good. Thank you for inviting me on again. Uh, absolutely. Thank you for making time to come on here and and talk with us about your experiences uh, competing at the Europeans this year, uh, 2022, in case you guys didn't know the year. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I just wanted to have have you back on and just kind of go over, you know, just kind of building up into it and then, you know, just the event itself and, you know, kind of go into, you know, events that are upcoming as well and just conversation. So let's jump into that it. That sounds so good. How, how was, uh, I guess, getting ready for everything and prepping? I know you had a long journey back just coming back from injuries and then COVID also being in there. Like, how did you feel when you realized you could be ready for this? I think it was about um, in November last year, I started back training properly following my two knee surgeries, which I've spoken about previously. And um, the Europeans hadn't actually been officially um open for registration at that point so i didn't think it was going going ahead but then i think it was late november if i'm not mistaken or maybe mid-november um registration opened and i was like oh my gosh it's actually it's actually happening but i had been off the mats for a long time um and i was thinking am i actually going to be ready for this to actually do myself justice and perform well so it was in November I started training again properly. It was around that time registration opened for the Europeans. Um, but I didn't sign up straight away. I wanted to see how my knee held up in training, how I was psychologically as well, because I've, I'm still working with Dr. Carl Biscobi, my injury sports psychologist. And I have had a lot of fear over re-injury. So it was always in my mind that I might compete because ever since I got injured uh, the very first time, which I can remember was the 9th of December 2019, I have thought about competing every single day. But because the Europeans normally happens in Lisbon in January each year, uh, when it wasn't advertised in at the beginning of ne- November, I thought, well, it's it's not going ahead, just like it didn't because of COVID. Um, so I was back on the mats, really unfit. I was 12 kilos heavier. That's about 24, 25 pounds heavier. Um, and I just got on, got on with training, really. And then as I improved tech, technically, um, and my fitness got a bit better, I was thinking, okay, I always said I wanted a good comeback, but the Europeans is a really big competition. So would it be better to do a smaller competition where the standard isn't as high and see how that plays out? But I thought I'm not one to do things by half. So I signed up for the Europeans and training was going well. I was feeling confident in my knee. Um, 
And yeah, I, I was getting really, really nervous quite, quite early on though, because I've never had this much time off competing. And it's, it's true what my coach says, the longer that you have off, the harder it is to come back. Um, so I was, yeah, I was really nervous a lot longer than um, I have been prior to previous competitions. The nerves did last a lot longer. So as time got closer, I was working on my strength and conditioning, um, still continuing my sports psychology sessions, because one of my real fears about going back into competition was obviously getting injured. No one wants to have an ACL rupture at any time, let alone when you're coming back from um, such a long layoff. So I had to think carefully about my expectations with the Europeans because normally, and I never lie about this, I compete to win. This time, my mindset had changed slightly and it was more that I'm competing to get back into the competition scene, to brush off the cobwebs and most of all, to come away uninjured. That would be like winning gold. Winning gold would have been amazing, don't get me wrong. But also, if I had won gold and came away injured, that would not have been good because it means I'm going to be out. Um, so things, the training was going well. Um, my fear of re-injury was up and down because, I mean, that's completely normal. I continued to work with Carl um, around strategies to deal with that. And I was feeling pretty good. I was feeling pretty good. Three weeks before the competition, about three weeks before, I made a comment to my partner, who's also my jiu-jitsu coach. And I said, I feel so lucky that I get to compete in the Europeans and I, have, I don't have to worry about work. I don't have any other stress going on except focusing 100% on my training. Unfortunately, I spoke too soon because my boyfriend fell very, very seriously ill and had to be hospitalised. Initially, I thought he had COVID, but he didn't. Um, initially, it looked like he had bone cancer. Um, but it turned out he had severe blood poisoning and um, I wasn't able to train. I was in the hospital with him up to eight hours a day or so. And um, I've mentioned on this podcast before that I co-run two BJJ clubs with my partner. So I had to arrange cover for both classes, make sure people were paired appropriately, that there were no injuries, that kind of thing. So the whole logistical side of um, running the clubs as well as being in the hospital every day took a massive toll psychologically. It was extremely, extremely draining. Um, I wanted to be there for my boyfriend. At the same time, I had to be there for all the members. The members are really understanding, but obviously when it's you who's co-running the club, and you have you have to step up when the main person isn't there. And um, that I found very stressful because it meant I couldn't get my own training in as well. And I was still dealing with inquiries and new people wanting to come down, that kind of thing. So I had to kind of try and be really brave and get on with things. But um, 
when it was when cancer was met, was mentioned as a possible diagnosis I, I i told myself i'm not gonna be able to do the europeans i have to withdraw because i cannot go to italy and leave my partner in a hospital bed i can't do that um he had a trapped nerve in his neck for which he was taking um some painkillers and it actually turned out these painkillers are what led to the blood poisoning um this particular painkiller is banned in the UK, it's banned in the US, it's called metamizol, more commonly known as nolotil. Um, it's banned in lots and lots of countries, but particularly British people and Irish, well, English and Irish people react specifically badly to this medication. Um, and he's not one to take medication anyway, he doesn't even really like taking paracetamol or aspirin, but he was in so much pain he had these stronger painkillers and they nearly killed him. Um, so that was a huge amount of stress right before the Europeans. Um, and there was a big question mark about whether to pull out or not. Because although my um, competition prep had been going well up until that point, it's been in the right headspace to compete. And I think every competitor will agree on me with regards to that in in the sense that you're you have to be in the right headspace to step on that mat otherwise you've lost before you've even fought so yeah there was there was an awful lot going on um just before i flew out to italy we held um a seminar with sure a guy called sean coates who's one of the best black belts in the uk and um i hosted him through Jits in the City, um, which is our programme where we put up fighters and take them around Madrid. And he's a friend of Gareth, so I took him, took Sean to see him in hospital. But again, um, trying to concentrate in a seminar, coordinate a seminar when your partner is it really ill was really difficult as well. So um, I'm pleased to say my boyfriend is fine now. Um, he actually got discharged the day before I flew to Italy um, because even when cancer was ruled out, I didn't think I was going to be doing the Europeans because, again, you, to leave a loved one um, in hospital is a very difficult thing to do. Um, but he insisted on coming with me. He absolutely insisted and said, there's no way you're going on your own so he got discharged from hospital on it was monday the 13th of february and no no monday monday uh, the 14th it was valentine's day yeah it was valentine's day so that was the best valentine's day present ever to have him back home but then we flew to italy on the on the tuesday which i was i was a bit skeptical about and i'd been working with carl um, about psychologically being prepared to fly out and compete on my own because he uh, the, the blood poisoning caused um, him to have no white blood cells, so he had no defences. So to catch COVID from going on a plane or catch any kind of infection was a huge and very real worry for me. But he was not having any of it. He's incredibly stubborn and said, I'm coming with you. So that was that. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like you had a full plate. 
just this isn't even factoring in the fact that you competed. This is just leading up to yeah. it. Just a whirlwind of everything going on. So, you know, kudos to you for, you know, still getting out there and actually doing it because, you know, your regular average everyday person will look for any excuse not to do it. It's like, oh, well, you know, I can't do this because of the layoff. I don't feel comfortable. You know, I've been off for two years or, you know, it's like, uh, you know, maybe I'll wait for the next one. And, and then yeah. when you factor in now your your partner's illness, it's like, you know, that's kind of the real, you know, the real bullseye. A lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, I got to tend to my partner, you know, can't have them out you know, risking COVID now, you know, so, yeah, you know, so, you know, again, my hat's off to you for sticking through and saying, you know what, you know, you've come this far. It's like, it can't just stop at, at the, at the start line, you know, run that race. Yeah. It, it was a, it was a difficult, um, it was a difficult decision, but when he, it became a lot easier when, um he started to recover but that said i was still very wary of him traveling because if he picked anything up he really it's no exaggeration to say he could have died a second time um but yeah my 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 head was all over the place i did have as you say a full plate and um i wasn't actually in those those couple of weeks before i wasn't able to train very much at all but thankfully, I'd done my my rehab and a lot of the work was already done before. Um, so we flew out to Italy on the Tuesday. I, I was extremely nervous, as I mentioned. But that is the definite correlation between being that nervous, um, having had the two ACL reconstructions and um, the layoff from competing. So I, I was very, very nervous. It was quite a lot of hassle to get to Italy in itself because aside from that, I mean, you, you have to fly there. That's not a problem. I'm used to competing internationally. You have to fly wherever. But the whole COVID situation made things very complicated because um, I arranged to have a, you, you, well, the IBJJF said you needed to have a negative COVID test before you enter the venue. And you were also only allowed to enter the venue the day you competed and you were allowed to bring one companion or one coach. So that's fine. But then I didn't really fancy running around Italy, a country I don't know. I've only been there twice. I didn't really fancy running around trying to find pharmacies where I could get a PCR test. So um, I ended up having one at the venue the day before I was due to fight. So that took a bit of the stress off. Thankfully, it was negative because after all of that, if it had been positive and I wasn't allowed in, that would have been an absolute nightmare. But yeah, it was it was negative. And um, the other thing that um, concerned me a bit was my weight because I had changed weight category because I'm between um, feather and light. And I had contacted the IBJJF to say I'd rather fight at light rather than feather. But then with all the stress of my partner being ill, I lost so much weight that I ended up at feather anyway, fighting in the lightweight category. So um, <laughs> that was 
unforeseen but again I just went with it and um yeah I stayed about 15 minutes from the venue um it was held in Lido de Ostia which is not actually in Rome it's like the outskirts of Rome and um on the day itself again very nervous and it was kind of like it was very surreal because I thought about this competition for two years, four months. And it was all building up. Everything I had prepared for was building up to literally this moment. And normally there are delays with the IBJJF, but my bracket was running 20 minutes early. So I didn't actually have that much time to warm up at all. Um, but that's not always, well, for your body, it's a, it's a good thing, but in terms of, the nerves it's not necessarily a bad thing so it was very surreal being at the side of the mats again after so long out but it felt really good it felt really good I weighed in I passed my gi check um was by the mat side got ushered on by the ref and I won my first fight by submission which felt amazing I've always said the hand raise is the best feeling in the world but it really was because um that was the first time I'd fought um, without without knee pads because you can't wear those in IBJJF competitions. Whereas in training to protect my knee, I'd always wear knee pads, but obviously that's against the rules and you get patted down. So um, to come away, not only winning my first fight by submission, but also uninjured was amazing. It felt really, really good. Good, good. And after, you know, the win by submission, you get your hand raised. What were yeah. the emotions like? Wow, it was. It's it's quite hard to explain. I tend to consider myself someone quite good with language, but it is hard to articulate. Um, I think one emotion I felt was definitely relief that I wasn't injured. Um, I felt more belief in myself that I could follow my game plan and execute right. what I wanted to do successfully. And then my mindset was immediately, okay, now I have about a 20 minute break. I've got to do this again. So I was focusing on my next fight. And yeah, yeah it, it, it felt, it felt really good. My second fight, I lost on points. I lost three zero, um, started off well but I got my guard passed, so she won three points. She got awarded three points. I was quite surprised she wasn't DQ'd on a couple of occasions because of verbally tapping, because she, she, she's someone who makes a lot of noise when she fights. And I've not come across that before, I have to say. And I'm always very aware of making not making noise because it can be seen as a verbal tap and the fight's over. So... But the, to be fair, the the stadium was so loud. I'm not sure the the ref would have heard. But she kept saying no, 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 no. And I was thinking she's verbally tapping here. Why is why is this not stopping? But um, yeah, she she won. Um, she was she was a sweet girl. And um, the winner the the overall winner of the category had come over from Kazakhstan, and she gave us all um, chocolate on the podium at the end which was really really sweet of her she didn't speak a word of english didn't understand any english so we were trying to communicate with her 
um but it was it was quite difficult but you could just tell by her body language and her smile uh she was she was a really lovely girl although i couldn't really communicate that that well with her well good good um, and she was I a very she was a very worthy winner as well so um, i said congratulations to her i think well at least i hope she understood i'm sure you know through body language and you know facial expression I, i'd like to think that she she got got the ideal uh so you know as you're traveling mm. you know, and, and you know you know the lead up the anticipation um in the routes first off how like how long was the flight from uh, madrid to rome it was two hours 20 minutes on the way back it was about two hours 45. Um, while you know going in just kind of with everything on your mind and, and now you're also you know prepping mentally for this competition you know did you have any like specific tactics that you you know mental tactics that you're doing or would you listen to any like audiobook or you know maybe optimize podcast or um <laughs> <laughs> uh you know what 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 was kind of going through your head or at least like in, in prep or anything on your way over like did you have music or anything or just kind of just you know thinking it through and just going through the motions um, I was going through my game plan a lot and um, I do have a specific competition playlist that I listened to. So I was listening to that on the plane, but I was sat right at the front of the plane and Gareth was sat at the back. And at one point I saw somebody come on with a stethoscope and then I got really distracted worrying that Gareth had fallen ill, but it wasn't him. It was somebody else had a medical problem. Um, so that kind of, got me a little bit worried and distracted. But when I saw that it wasn't him, um, I was able to send to myself back to, okay, I'm, I'm here to compete. Um, this is what I need to do. I've got my game plan. I know what I'm going to do. And it's just a case of hopefully executing it as planned. But I'm not someone who, when I travel, and I do travel a lot for BJJ competitions, I don't see it as a jolly. I don't see it as a holiday. I'm there to do a job. I'm there to fight um, because I know I was talking to um, a friend of mine and he says a lot of his teammates um, see like the competitions as, uh, you know, time away to eat what you want, you know, drink, etc. And then a lot of them actually don't make weight. And it's not a cheap competition at all. When you factor in the cost of flights, and accommodation it's not something i that i personally take lightly it's something i take extremely seriously um and i don't eat italian food anyway so that was a bit of a problem <laughs> i don't eat pasta i don't eat pizza i i'm not into wine but that's another story i'm just really weird with with food that that's the dante playlist of food right there. <laughs> grief like sign me up. Yeah, I'm not into. I'm like the only person I know who's never had a pizza in my life. Never. Never. Ever. When when yeah, when I was twelve in school in home economics, we were told we had to make a pizza, and I got my mom to write a letter to say that Tiana would not be participating because I I physically cannot 
be around pizza. It's very strange, but I've been like it since I was a kid. I know you're the, you're, the look on your face is all oh, been like it since I was a kid. Um, I find, I don't know. I just, pizza just, just never, never done it for me, but I won't even try it either. So <laughs> Uh, you, yeah. you would not have done well when we watched the fights last night because we got seven <laughs> pizzas and oh wow that still had like my neighbor just came over and picked up one because we had two left like full untouched pizzas so all right well I'll, I'll keep that in mind you know fight nights come about you know we invite tiana over it's like okay look we got to change up the food options. We're not ordering pizzas. Chicken. Tonight. If it's chicken or steak, I'm okay. good. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> next, next fight night we do, we're like, okay, we're going to fly you in from Madrid. Come through. We got, we got chicken and steak, which, you know, that's also on the Dante playlist of food. So good. Our, that's good to know. It works. Um, so, you know, we, we kind of went through, you know, the emotions of, you know, that first, you know, that first submission you know, coming back and and that was, you, you know, your first match back from yeah. that, that huge layoff and you get the submission. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, it did feel, I'm not going to lie. It did feel awesome. It did feel awesome. Like even just hearing it, I remember, you know, kind of messaging with you um, then, you know, you know, kind of as you're going through it and you mentioned it, you know, I was happy for you, but like now hearing it spoken out, a little emotional you know kind of just like dude that's that's so so awesome so congrats on that uh, couldn't be happier just hearing it especially just like wow that's amazing now as you know the europeans have come and gone you know it you know we saw that they've been announcing other uh, competitions upcoming uh, yeah. Any plans for, I think they announced uh, Ireland, I believe. There was one, uh, 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 Barcelona. Barcelona, yeah, I'm doing both of those. So on the 30th of April, I'm flying, well, I'll, I'll go the day before. I'm going to be competing on the 30th of April in Dublin at the IBJJF Dublin Open. And that's going to be Guy. And I'm going on my own because my coach is going to be in Belgium at a heel hook seminar. So um, I'm going to make a weekend of it and do Nogi as well on the Sunday um, and fly back to Madrid on the Monday. So that's um, that's Dublin in Ireland, another IBJJF comp. And then the following Saturday, I'll be competing in Barcelona at the European Masters, which I'm really excited about. It's quite a lot close together because I am someone who does get competition come down. And I know post-competition blues are a very real thing for a lot of people. Um, but when I before I got injured, I did quite a lot of competitions on consecutive weekends. But these are quite big, big competitions. So, um, so I need to make self-care a priority. And make sure I'm eating well and sleeping well, etc. Because traveling really does take it out of you. It really does. Mm -hmm. And although I'm in Madrid, Barcelona um, is still quite a trek to get to. So um, I'm really excited about both of those. I've only done two Nogi competitions. I did the Nogi Europeans in 2019. That was in Italy at the same stadium as um, the Gi Europeans. 
I do find that traveling does take it out of you because um, it's not just getting to the airport or the fact that you have to fly somewhere else. It's, it's, it's everything before you've got to actually get there. You've got to find your hotel. Um, you've got to know where the venue is and all that stuff does take a toll um, physically on you. A lot of places are really well connected with trains. I've been informed that actually Dublin isn't. But when I when I compete abroad, I generally usually take taxis because I don't want to be lugging around my geese. I always pack two geese. I always pack two hyperfly geese in case one gets ripped or, or blood stained or something in the first fight. That's a habit I've had ever since I was a white belt to take two geese and obviously all my other stuff that I'll have with me means that I don't particularly want to be adding extra stress with traveling so I like to make things as easy as possible but it does add up it does become quite expensive um so after Ireland I have six days before I compete again and as well as having learned quite a lot of lessons from the Europeans um, with my jiu-jitsu so for example my second fight I spent a long time in a position that I didn't understand and that kind of shows my lack of experience hence why I'm why I'm, I am a blue belt and not a black belt or a brown belt so as well as the stuff I've taken away in terms of technique there are also more logistical things like making sure um that there is a good transport service, making sure that I'm staying as close to the venue as possible. Because having had my knee injuries, my coach was very against me doing the absolutes at the Europeans. And I, I was okay with that because I didn't particularly want to fight against a lot of bigger people. But the, the thing is, um, because the absolutes were seven or eight hours later, the when I looked at the people who actually entered them, I would have been in the, um, well, the, the, the heaviest person was in the 64 kilo category. So that's that would have been manageable because that's the category I was actually fighting in, even though I weighed in at Feather. Um, so my plan for Ireland and also for Barcelona is to stay in an Airbnb very close to what well, as close as possible to the venue so that I can leave the venue leave the stadium have a bit of downtime and then go back to do the absolutes that's my plan so there are some more logistical things as well as BJJ technique technical things that I came away with after Rome because I'm going to be doing more competitions and traveling more so um, it's good to learn from experience about how to make everything just all round an easier and more comfortable trip, really. Good. It, it sounds like, you know, just as with competing, you know, and, and you go through one thing on the mat, you know, you got to fine tune it. The traveling is the same thing. You got to fine tune that. And like you said, the logistics, you know, have to all work out and flow together. So it's good. So with this now kind of in your rear view and, and, you know, the return, you know, I was wondering prior to the Europeans, how many IBJJ, IBJJF competitions had you done before the Europeans? 
Um, my very first one was the Europeans at White Belt in 2019. I've done the Spanish National um, at Blue Belt. My very first Blue Belt competition was the European Masters in Barcelona. Um, obviously, I got bronze at the Europeans this time round, so that's four. And if I'm not mistaken, I've done a fifth. I can't think off the top of my head which one it is. But I'm actually quite a big fan of the IBJJF. They get a lot of stick and a lot of people don't like them. But my response to that is if you don't like the federation, compete in a different federation because there's enough of them around. Um, they are expensive, granted. Um, but I'm I'm actually quite a fan. A lot of them are in the States, though, and that's not feasible for me to travel to. But, but like Dublin... Um, Barcelona, Madrid, the Madrid opens in um, usually every November. Um, I haven't actually competed at that myself yet, but that's definitely on the list for this year. Um, but there are there are some outside of um, the US, but the majority are obviously there with it being an American organization. Sure. Um, so like I think about that too with people, you know, always having negative things to say about the IBJJF. I often wonder, is it just like, it's just kind of the cool thing to have something bad to say about something now. Cause you know, as far as I can see and tell and everybody that, that, you know, I see competing in it, it's fine. I think people just, you know, people are just bored. So they want to, you know, say something negative, but I, you know, with you going out there and you know doing all the competitions that you can, you know, I figure if you if you didn't like the format, if you didn't like you know how things were going, you wouldn't be doing because, like you said, if you don't like it, then go compete somewhere else. There are plenty of other competitions yeah. out there, so uh, you know, it's it's good you know just kind of hearing this you know experience from you. Like, I often wonder, you know, especially with injury. And then the comeback from the injury, you know, how you're feeling, you know, how, you know, like you said, you're worried in competition, you know, or afterward, you know, just concerned about re-injury, uh, mm -hmm. you know, how are you feeling now? Just, you know, how's the knee holding up? Does it feel strong or you, you still kind of feel like you're um, being a little cautious around it right now? My knee feels strong. I feel that I've fully recovered but I think that fear might possibly always be there. I'm hoping it will go, but I don't know if that's wishful thinking. But with the amount of competitions I plan to do, I, with that comes an acceptance that, okay, you're putting yourself in a position where you could possibly in, get injured. But it might not be my ACL. I could get armbarred and it go on really quickly and end up with a broken arm but obviously having had the experiences i have had it's my knee i'm particularly concerned about but um so I'm, as i mentioned earlier i'm still working with dr carl biscobi um because he really does understand the impact of injury and a lot of people don't actually come back from acl injuries or they do but they're not the same they're not the same fight as they were or they they have so much fear that that their aggression just isn't the same 
I've spoken to quite a few people who've known others that that's happened to. Um, so with absolutes, that is something I will generally avoid unless the people in it are lower weights. And I know it's a great opportunity to show off your technique, but for me, it is not worth getting injured. But the downside of that is you don't know who's going to have signed up because with the IBJJF competitions, after, um, you're only eligible for the absolutes um, if you medal, unless you're a black belt, if you, if you medal. And you have to register within 10 minutes of receiving your medal. So you don't know who from the other categories is going to sign up. But with a, if there's always going to be in a seven or eight hour wait, you can guarantee that some people don't want to hang around. But those people who've lost their first fight and have paid quite a hefty re registration often want a second go. Um, and if you sign up for an absolute, it, it's a risk that you take. And that's why it's not obligatory to do so. Um, but I think if I did do an absolute and again came away uninjured that would increase my confidence further so I'll see how I'm feeling towards Ireland and who's registered for that but right now I'm feeling confident in my knee and that's a big thing for me because in November when I first started tra back training properly I, I refused to do, do a back step I refused to backstep because I was convinced I was going to hurt my knee. So that's how far I've come. And it's only when I'm working, for example, with Carl and he points out things like this, things that I wouldn't have done even a month ago, that I realise how far I've come. And that's not to say I still haven't got work to do. I think I'm always going to be fiercely protective of my knee. And also, I'm not getting any younger, <laughs> which is, um, it's, it's, I mean, it's the truth. I'm not getting any younger. So really taking care of myself, picking my roles carefully and not being, I'm not afraid to turn down roles in the gym. People know what I've been through and they also know I'm fiercely passionate about competing. So no one takes offence if I say I'm not going to roll with you, which is, which is really nice, actually, because I have a very supportive team. I always find that bizarre, like, you know, if people getting offended if somebody declines a role with them. It, it, I don't know, just in my mind, it, it's bizarre, but I don't know. I, I, I guess I get it. You know, it's like whether, like when I was new, I'd ask somebody to roll and, you know, they weren't rude about it. They just, you know, like I'm going to sit this one out or they're going to roll with someone else. You know, yeah. I just thought of it as okay. You know, they they have a dance partner, or you know, they're taking a break. You know, I never thought of it like, oh, it's me. Is it me? It, you know, looking back on it, I was a wild man in my white belt days. Mm. So, you know, when I look back on it, it may, it may have been me, but they, but I didn't think of it that way. And if it was, you know, good for them, they have to look out for their own safety, especially yeah, you know, those those um, teammates that work actively competing. You don't want to risk rolling with a spazzy white belt and it's especially then for me i was spazzy athletic and strong and like you know didn't know any better so i no, i get it believe me yeah now 
Yeah, I know a couple of um, black belts who own academies and they are very, very light and neither of them do absolutes because they um, we spoke about this and they both said, A, it's not worth it because their size means that they're much more likely to get injured and B, running an academy means that you're a teacher. You can't have time that much time off from teaching or if you do, you have to arrange cover and it's I think that there's obviously a lot of prestige of winning um, the absolutes, particularly at black belt, because it, if you take, for example, the Europeans or the worlds, um, the black, the adult black belt absolutes are the day before the category. And that doesn't happen with any other belt. You have to medal to get a chance to do the absolutes, but it's open to all the black belts on for example the europeans it was the saturday and then they had their actual weight category on the sunday so oh. it's slightly different for them but i think people do absolutes for different reasons it's a yeah it's a challenge um some people don't want to do it at all which is fair enough some people um like to actually i've met a couple of people who are heavier and they like to test themselves against smaller athletes because I think there's this is always this assumption that if you're heavier, you're going to win. But there are some really, if you're really small, you can get into these spaces and you might be quite spindly and can really cause a nightmare for the other person if they're heavier. But it's a very personal yeah. decision. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, just kind of, you know, stepping back when you were talking about the ACL injuries and, you know, people coming back from, they're usually not the same. We see that a lot here in the U.S. Um, in American football. You know, you get a, a running back that blows out his knee and, you know, they might be a top, top running back. And as soon as that ACL goes, when they do come back, they're never the same. And so, you know, when you were mentioning that, I thought hard about that because it's like there's so many good players that that knee goes and, yeah. you know, us as fans watching, you know, we, you know, we can't really relate. It was just like, you know, you know, trash talkers like, oh, you know, he's not very good right now. You know, he's not good anymore. It's like, well, it's not about them not being good anymore. I mean, they've got a lot on their mind. And that goes for, you know, you all as, you know, active jujitsu competitors, you know, when you have a major injury like that, you know, that's, I'm certain is always in the back of your mind, no matter how strong you know, you feel physically, you know, yeah. in the back of the mind is always there. And, you know, again, kudos to you for, you know, having the, the like willpower to kind of come back from this and, you know, making your first competition back, you know, one of the, one of the big boys versus like, uh, you know, I'll do this, you know, small local tournament where there might only be, you know, two people in my bracket. It's like, no, nah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for Europeans and just, you know, just go out there and you know face the world. So happy for you, proud of you as a friend. Very proud Thank of you. Thank you. Um, Thank you. And I'm looking forward to, you know, your journey as you're getting ready for Ireland and uh, um, European Masters. So, you know, keep up that great work, Tiana. Uh, so. We're going to go ahead and wrap up here because we, it, for those who may not know, we've got quite a bit of 
recording to do after this because we're getting ready for episode 100. Just trying to promote that there. And <laughs> Tiana's going to be my co-host on that. So we're going to get ready to head out and we'll get, take a little bit of a break in between. But um, as we wrap up, as always, Tiana, thank you for doing this. Uh, do you have any shout outs or mentions you'd like to put out there for us? Yeah, definitely. Chris at um, XS Guard Mouth Guards, who always make sure I have a really well-fitted mouth guard for competition and training. Keeps my teeth perfect shape. Also, have to give a huge mention to Carl, Dr. Carl Biscobi at Evolve Your Injury, because I've been working for, with him for quite a while now. And um, the progress I've made under his guidance has been incredible. So I'm hugely, hugely thankful to him. Also to Hyperfly Europe for their continued to support. And finally to Chris at Enhanced CBD. Excellent. And I'll be sure to uh, tag them all in the show notes so that way people know where to find them as well. Um, and also for everyone else, thank you as always for listening. Do appreciate you all as listeners and, um, you know, those who've been here from early on and are still here. Awesome. I love it. Thank you so much. And you know, for new listeners, thank you as well. I know whenever Tiana comes on, there's a huge uptick. So thank you, Tiana, for bringing the audience with you. Um, and as always, if you have any questions or concerns, always feel free to reach out to me at Off The Mats Podcast on Instagram or, oh, my voice just did that, or BJJ Wiki on Instagram as well. Uh, big shout out to Armbar Attic over there on Instagram, TikTok, and the website, armbaraddict.com. Go check them out. Get yourself a nice rash guard. Mine come in. I believe I have a t-shirt or something coming in. Uh, I'm looking forward to, to the mail carrier dropping that off. Um, also, go give a listen to my other podcast. So, comma, you like horror. I have to mention that comment there because someone tried to correct me and tell me that my podcast name was incorrect. So, <laughs> so you like horror? Question mark. Um, it's a horror movie podcast. And I just sit with friends to talk about scary movies. So, go give it a listen if you like scary movies. Some don't, some do. I love them. That's why I do the podcast. Also, big shout out to uh, my upcoming guests that are going to be on episode 100. I'm just going to shout them out now so that way you guys know what you're getting into. Student of BJJ, uh, Johan, uh, who's at, um, I never know how to say his Instagram handle, but I'll spell it out. J-O-H-L-O-R-80. Instagram, go check him out. BJJ Mama, also go check her out. And... And go uh, give a check out to A Enriquez218 also on Instagram. So I think that's everyone, correct? Uh, yeah. That, that was each, each of the uh, guests. And then also my co host, Tiana Taylor. Make sure Thank you guys you. check her out. She's amazing. Um, <laughs> You're too kind. <laughs> um, otherwise, thank you, everyone. I love you all. You guys keep listening. We're going to keep making the shows. Thank you all. Ciao. They poison. Now let me see his song.